Okay, everybody, it is a big Wednesday show today. We needed a day to breathe, and now we're getting into it. Okay, so we knew there would be a lot of ramifications now that we know the Roe v. Wade uh, document that was leaked uh, is obviously uh, real, and who knows what type of version it is. The fallout has started, and big tech and business is going to be severely impacted by that. Everybody from Amazon to Google are currently responding uh to this and we're going to break it down uh and as well as some serious privacy concerns with data brokers tracking who's actually going and selling data on who's going to abortion clinics yep and then don't worry there's a little bit of a tech chaser which is Mm. earnings news earnings from uber lyft and airbnb it is so interesting this was actually i mean it's a shame about all this other news that's so emotionally devastating because it was a fascinating earnings season fascinating earnings earnings day airbnb uber crushing it lift uh getting crushed we're going to talk about network effects and how network effects compound to the winners and costs then hit the losers and it's pretty dramatic it's going to be a great show stick with us this week in startups is brought to you by odoo Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Your first app is free forever, and right now, Odoo is offering $1,000 off your first implementation pack at odoo.com slash twist. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash twist. I trust capital. Did you know that you can invest in crypto through your retirement account and still get the same tax advantages as a traditional IRA? Visit itrust.capital/twist to start investing today. And Coda. Coda is the all-in-one doc for teams. If you've got a stack of niche workflow tools, or if you're buried in docs and spreadsheets, Coda is the doc that brings it all together. Startups can get a $1,000 credit at coda.io slash twist. All right, everybody, welcome to Wednesday. Yes, you made it to the third day of the week. Here we are. We're climbing. We're almost at the summit, Molly. And we this week has start. been a month. This week has <laughs> been a month. It has been. Uh, and for the, for the ladies in the audience, we, uh, we are going to talk about it. Uh, there is obviously a lot of business and tech uh, response to the leak of the um, Supreme Court statement on Roe v. Wade. Potentially, the leak's been confirmed. But Molly, why don't you just catch everybody up in the audience? Maybe if like me, maybe they don't even know the history of Roe v. Wade as much as maybe they need to. Yeah. Because we just all thought this was settled and we didn't need to know every detail. (laughs) And now (laughs) we find ourselves kind of needing to understand this a little bit better. Because what we took for granted, we can apparently yeah. no longer for granted yeah so on monday night uh and yes we're talking about this wednesday because we sort of needed a day to digest and see what the fallout was going to be from this yeah. leaked what it was was a leaked draft on monday night Politico published a leaked draft of a, a potential supreme court decision to overrule mm-hmm. roe versus wade this is the decision that it, uh passed in 1973 so since 1973 Abortion has been legal at the federal level. It has been a constitutional right for the women of America. Um, this obviously has been a battle the whole time. And this leaked draft suggests that the Supreme Court is in fact poised as soon as June or July 
to undo that federal precedent. Now, as a result, if that draft becomes a formal decision, there are 13 U.S. states that have what are known as trigger laws on the books. Like, should this, you know, it, that basically say if abortion ever becomes, if this decision is overturned, Roe v. Wade, then it will Ill immediately become illegal in this state to some extent. Actually, when I was growing up, Montana had a trigger law like this related to the mm. federal speed limit. Montana ah. was such a don't tread on me state that they had written into the books that should the, the federal speed limit ever be lifted, there would immediately be no speed limit in Montana. And I bring this up because I was working for the Associated Press then. And one of my jobs was to call the sheriff's office every night and get the fatality, traffic fatality reports. Ah. And this was like maybe a year after this happened. And so I would call, they would give me the fatality reports, which just went up and up and up and up and up day after day after day. And it was always like out of staters coming to Montana and speeding through like the Audubon. I bring this up because should these laws go into effect in these 13 states, and there are about 28 other US states that are poised to in some way restrict or outlaw, uh, 28 total US states poised to restrict or otherwise outlaw abortion, um, you can expect adverse effects, including women dying from, you know, efforts at illegal abortion. Anyway, yeah. since this leak has come out obviously there has been a massive uproar on social media and in the real world there have been protests yeah. in front of the supreme court last night there were protests in los angeles that were getting very scary in terms yeah. of like and dhs oh, crackdown on protesters yeah i mean and to be clear you know it, it took a day or two to just make sure this was real right 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 and the courts did uh make a statement about like hey they're going to investigate the leak and everything like that and now and I think it's always good with this breaking news because it broke Monday night very late. Yep. Um, I think it may have been after midnight. Uh, it was East like Coast late time. on the way. Yeah, exactly. It was like nine or 10 Pacific. Right. So, yeah. you know, it, it does take a day or two to grok this, but it does seem like uh, tech and business uh, overall, uh, and, you know, tech business is business, uh, is now going to become uh, a big part of the story uh, because. If you're a company and you've got employees in various states, um, you want to protect your employees' ability to choose now. And Tim Urban actually shared um, a pretty good graphic of like what's going on here because I think people maybe don't, you know, it's kind of Tim, a moving target. Tim, Tim Urban. Urban. Tim Urban is from Wait But Why. He's actually doing a keynote at, uh, he's the number one TED Talk on YouTube. I think, oh, okay. And number three TED Talk ever. He does Wait But Why, which is a really like great, yeah. um, you know, metrics type site. And if you pull this up, you know, you, you can explain exactly what's going to happen here. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty devastating. Uh, this infographic was, you know, like, I think really good. The current situation, we have federal protection. All women can have an abortion. Okay, yes, we get that. Now, there'll be no federal protection. And to Molly's point, we're going to see various groups of women in the United States have different rights when it comes to getting an abortion. There'll be mm -hmm. some women in states where abortion remains legal. Like, I think New York, California, some of these places actually have those triggers, like you were right. talking about. Opposite triggers, basically, yeah. Reverse triggers, like, hey, our trigger is going to be, it's going to be in our constitution, right? So I think people are going to start, uh, and, and that is, I think, the argument the Supreme Court, if this is document is correct, is trying to make, that this should be a state issue. Mm -hmm. So federalism versus states' rights has, for for a long time has been a big debate, uh, you know, and yeah, this one felt like it was settled as a federal kind of situation, but you're going to have the second group of people, some, so there'll be women in some states where abortion is illegal, and they're going to have 
if they have the means, they're going to just travel to another state for the procedure. Mm -hmm. So, and then you have the third group of women. They're going to be uh, in states where abortion is illegal and they don't have the means to travel and they're not mm -hmm. going to be able to get an abortion. And they're going to maybe seek out abortions that are dangerous and illegal. And this is going to be, we're going to have a lot of women dying. Uh, and it's really, truly scary and dystopian. Mm -hmm. It's also um, this and this uh, graphic points out that what is not on the table so far is a federal ban on abortion. Not quite um, to Handmaiden's Tale. Not quite to Handmaiden's Tale. However, so there are a couple. Let's start with the tech industry response to this, and then we can talk about sort of the potential downstream effects of this draft opinion, at least as written, and what it could mean, and then also what it means oh, for this. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and maybe it would be good for you to just show that the overwhelming, th this chart also in the yellow bar chart in the bottom left, yeah, makes it super clear, like... Bring this back, yep. Yeah, 70%, uh, this is as of August 19th from Pew Service, which are, I think, considered kind of the gold standard. Surveys, surveys are not perfect, but when surveys are overwhelming, you, you kind of get it. Right. Like, this is unchanged. Americans are against an overtone of Roe v. Wade and have been for 30 years. Like, yep. this is like a rug pull of rug pulls, you know. Um, this is, I mean, I keep calling people it this. Do, the, the majority of Americans do not want this. Right. To be this clear. This is a minority rule theocracy, right? Like, that is what this law is about. There's no policy reason for this whatsoever. This is like yeah. a minority of Americans who, for religious reasons object to this procedure yeah. and are willing to force women to give birth against their will or Force jail them, them if they don't like let's be super clear about what we're talking and yeah. this is i don't know that i can remember in any democracy but certainly in america the last time like these are rights that women have had for 50 years this is not a like this is not a yeah. denial of rights the way that gay marriage was for a long time or an infringement or a speech moderation or whatever this is a literal removal mm. of rights that have been guaranteed for yeah. two generations now that yeah. is a remarkable situation and that's why you're seeing i think so much of a response even though this was expected based well, on the judges that were appointed it was a hundred percent like if you were a woman in america in 2016 you have been waiting for this moment to come and everybody told you you're overreacting and you were like you just wait. Yeah, I mean, here here we are, and I I think the the to the folks who predicted it would happen, you got it right. Uh, and for the folks who gave the benefit of the doubt, um, you got suckered um, straight up. So, listen, when you start scaling quickly, your company needs to be run professionally, and Odoo is the software that helps you maintain control of your fast running business. Odoo suite of business apps let you run your entire company on one platform. This means you don't need to keep adding a bunch of different SaaS products. Everything you need is already on Odoo. All you have to do is turn it on when you're ready. Odoo has over 40 main apps and over 16,000 apps from their open source community. We're talking about sales, accounting, marketing automation, HR, website builders, and so much more. Plus, if you only need two or three apps to optimize your workflow, that's all you will pay for. Again, Odoo helps you streamline by running all your business apps on one platform. That means no more issues transferring data back and forth, and you'll have one customer support contact across all your apps, not 20. And the best part? Well, here's your call to action. Your first app is free forever. 
and Odoo is offering a $1,000 credit on your first implementation pack. Go to odoo.com slash twist for $1,000 off. That's odoo.com slash twist. If you trusted that, uh, you know, these recent, I think Trump appointed three um, mm -hmm. folks to the, to the court uh, mm -hmm. during his tenure. Um, if you believe them when they said like they felt Roe v. Wade was settled, um, I think you got uh, rug pulled. I think you got duped. So yeah. Yeah. And listen, I nobody is saying they want more abortions to happen in the world. And I understand people can debate when life happens. And, you know, th that's all true. I, well, mm -hmm. I think just for the purposes of our discussion here, the majority of people want something in the country. And yeah. a, a minority it's doesn't. Healthcare. And right. it's, it's, you know, health care. Yes. And so I guess, you know, we, I, I would say, yeah, probably we do not want to delve into <laughs> at what week should abortion be allowed? Uh, you know, a, an important discussion to be sure it's, for scientists and other people to have. But for our purposes, uh, it's not the point, right? The, not point, the is, point here. Yeah. The point is the removal of rights and the trickle down effect that is likely to occur. I mean, literally, yeah. and I just want to keep saying this, it is taking a right away. That is a yeah. big deal. And I think gets really real. When yeah. you start actually taking people's rights away. When the did other that thing, happen? When did that, did, has that happened in our lifetime? So I was trying to, I was trying to like do a little historical research because I was like, has this ever happened that a democracy has just like reversed, like put the f truck in reverse? Yeah. And when the last, last time. Yeah, tell me, I, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't find this either. And I listened to all the talking heads and they, they couldn't come up with it either. So I think that the last time it happened that I could find might actually be in America after reconstruction. Interestingly. So like. Huh. After the Civil War, there were federal troops in the South to ensure e equality, basically, uh -huh. right? So then there was this I sort of, that. Huh. there was a brief period during Reconstruction when, like, Black people were participating in the economy at a high level, holding public office, voting, mm. and all that time there were federal troops in the South, effectively, huh. like, making sure that that happened. And then they left. Mm. And then it all went sideways right mm. you had jim crow laws come into effect you had things like the tulsa massacre where an entire wealthy part of tulsa was just like wiped out in literal air raids by private civilians and then mm. you essentially had a return to segregation mm. in the south that's the All only right. time i could think of us just going like backwards in time so now would be a good time to look at tech's reaction to this mm -hmm. uh, and i think this is going to be I think very analogous to what Putin just experienced, which is a large portion of companies are going to proactively, there can be no pressure needed to be applied here, mm -hmm. uh, or, or little pressure will be need to apply be, be applied because uh, I think tech wants to do the right thing here. I think there's a lot of women uh, working in key positions at these companies. And I think a lot of people uh, have daughters, mothers, sisters, and female friends uh, and so Amazon is going to, and I, they, they came out with this instantly. Amazon is going to reimburse U.S. employees who travel for abortions and other treatments. I guess they put the other treatments in there so that it's not just for this one thing, but, you know, it covers a couple of things. So that, Healthcare. to me, mm -hmm. that seemed to me to, you know, be, uh, they're doing it for abortions specifically. And Amazon, but that they was wanted like to not make it specifically for abortions. So they came immediate. out. That was this immediate. This came out early on Tuesday. So good on amazon so just mm -hmm. think about that as a statement yeah i mean uh, they were right there like very yeah. immediately in the morning yeah. 
Um, and then since then, we've seen Yelp's chief diversity officer, Miriam Warren, rolled out a similar policy actually in mid-April. Yelp had already rolled that out because Texas increased abortion restrictions with that yeah. law that, that by the way, and this is, this is notable when we get to our data privacy conversation, Texas's law uh, means anybody who uh, aids and abets, they hmm. say, in an abortion can be held civilly liable and sued. Yeah. So as uh, women across America start to spin up uh, an abortion underground railroad, there is a whole question of liability that's introduced by that Texas law, which lots of other states are trying to copy. Uber and Lyft, uh, had, when those laws came out, had pledged at the time to cover drivers' legal expenses if they are caught up in Texas and evidently Oklahoma, Oklahoma's provision on abetting abortions. Like Apple, Match Group, Bumble have said they'll cover employee expenses for out-of-state abortions. This is this is pretty coming. It's a it's a healthcare corporate issue, and it's going to be really yeah. hard to stay out of it. And then yesterday, Vice uh, motherboard, Vice's motherboard published an investigative piece where they purchased aggregated user data from a data broker, SafeGraph, which is selling location data on the open market, including that of people who visit abortion clinics. And now, if we find oh ourselves, my Lord, this is a big if, sort of. But yep. if we find ourselves in a situation in six months where up to 28 U.S. states have outlawed abortion, then the question of data privacy and operational security is going to be a big one. Right. A big one. Well, because, yeah, there's 23 states that could ban it. Um, and there's other states that will restrict it, I think. Thirteen, yeah, thirteen uh, will ban up to twenty-eight total. Will restrict I'm just trying in to some get, way, but yeah, I'm just trying to get educated on this. So you yeah, know, we, I think it's so moving fast. <laughs> it's yeah, and I, you know, it. This is one or two steps away from the next shoe dropping. Um, so yeah, if they want to take a stance where like you help somebody get an abortion as an Uber driver, a doctor, a nurse, a counselor, a psychologist, a a, a priest, or you know, a parent. Uh, apparent like all of a sudden yeah. you're getting arrested like this is yeah. a crazy uh dystopian uh, vision here uh but you could subpoena uh phone data and you could subpoena uh, like this broker selling it okay that's just seems on the abhorrent. open market just go buy it they yeah. classify planned par parenthood as a brand that yeah. can be tracked well and here uh, important to note I, you're not getting the person's email address in their name you're getting a cookie that could you could put an ad against them um so it's i would think anonymized data it's just location data so you could make a group on an ad network and then show them an ad but that also means that data could exist non-anonymized in some database somewhere obviously mm -hmm. there's all kinds of ways to track people so this is probably anonymized data but you can still reach that user which means you know th there's all kinds of ways to track who went to an abortion clinic and then who did searches for abortion yeah. So now is Google going to have people search histories uh, tracked? I mean, this is going to get to um, a pretty crazy yeah. outcome here. Uh, but I think now we're going to start to see uh, states that embrace this uh, are perhaps going to lose business. And I think people are going to start voting with their pocketbooks. And so this idea, oh, you know, Florida, Texas, great open states great places to build businesses, etc. You know, I think you're going to start to see some folks question, maybe I don't move to Austin, maybe I don't move to Miami, maybe I don't want to support those, maybe I don't want to open an office there. 
and so this is a level of, you know, second and third stream downstream effects that are going to create even more chaos and division in this country. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably already have some exposure to crypto. Well, did you know you can now invest in crypto through your retirement account? That's right. With iTrust Capital, you can buy and sell digital assets from a crypto IRA. This means you'll get the same tax advantages as a traditional IRA. iTrust Capital has over two dozen of the most popular cryptocurrencies to invest in. And unlike the stock market, you can buy and sell 24 hours a day if you want. The iTrust Capital platform is easy to use, and it only takes a few minutes to create your account. Setting up an IRA is free, and iTrust fees are low. You get a free account and a 1% fee per crypto transaction. So here's your call to action. Visit iTrust.Capital slash twist to start investing today. That's I-T-R-U-S-T dot capital slash twist. Disclosure. Taxes and conditions may apply. Fees apply. Cryptocurrencies are a speculative investment with risk of loss. iTrust Capital Inc. does not provide legal investment or tax advice. Consult with a qualified legal investment or tax professional. And I know that there is uh, a, a debate on, for example, another show that you do about oh. how much companies should engage in these conversations with their employees. Yeah. But the fact is, it's unavoidable, right? Like, the, Especially at a point like this where we're literally changing the legal fabric under which this country has operated for 50 years yeah. and it and it's healthcare and it's fundamental and it's like these bans that you know don't take into account uh whether the pregnancy could kill the mother whether it's rape or incest sure. like it there's no universe in which you're going to be able to separate this from your business and we are going to increasingly fracture especially by the way like as this opinion has is written now and we talked a little bit about this I think in the live stream yesterday as it's written now, it essentially undoes the f- the 14th Amendment right to privacy. Like the mm. way that Alito wrote this draft opinion mm. effectively says, if the rights were not written into the Constitution by the slave owning white guys, mm. then they they don't qualify for protection. He literally is like, this is not a deeply rooted tradition of rights. And that yeah. could then apply to, you know, there are legal scholars all over Twitter saying the next thing that's coming is gay marriage. The next thing that's coming is the right to contraception. But the thing that comes after that is businesses being able to do whatever you want because it's about a right to privacy. Yeah, I mean, this is the, you know, again, back to the minority of people dictating for the majority of people what happens mm-hmm. um, is makes this a, a qualitatively and quantitatively very different then I want to talk about Trump at work. I want to talk about immigration at work. I want to talk about BLM at work. You know, you those are, um, I'm not going to say niche issues. In some cases, they might be like Im- some immigration issues might be niche. It might only matter to some small percentage of people. This is, you know, healthcare fundamental right issue. I think people are going to look at it very differently. Um, I don't see how you avoid this discussion at work. If people are going to make a decision to even come to work at a company, you know, uh, based on this, it's, it's, this is going to be super challenging. Um, again, yeah. healthcare is attached to employment in our country. So exactly. that's a really good point of there's like, no a way not to address it. There's no way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is literally taking like, this is like, you, I- I'm trying to think of the corollary, but in terms of removing a guaranteed right, it's, it's just stunning. It's unprecedented. And it probably like a lot of other shoes 
could and will drop after that because it's basically like somebody on somebody put it you know this is a way to undo anything that you find distasteful yeah i mean and you know to the all-in discussion with brian armstrong uh which i think was two episodes ago you know brian famously said listen (laughs) we're here to do one mission at coinbase you can talk about political issues if you want with your coworkers, just not on the corporate slack do a separate meeting start your own signal group whatever's your jam you can go talk about it but at work we're, we're not going to talk about this stuff anymore and you can opt in or opt out to being at an organization that's politically active or not i i, I think that's fine right the private companies and if it gets everybody more focused fine um, i think that's fine except that i don't want to hear praise from that from people who are like we're for unrestricted free speech i think those are intellectually contradictory positions um like you cannot say that you have to have an absolute right to free speech on a platform run by a private company but then unabashedly praise the guy who shut Mm -hmm. down all the free speech at his company because what it sounds like is that the speech you don't want to hear is the stuff about black people and trans people so i sorry okay i I, i'm I'm radicalized by this situation so but that's what i was shouting back at my intelligent people i like you to have a voice and explain your position molly actually yeah because um i think those are contradictory i could see it be contrary i I could see uh i I understand that i think it's a reasonable argument i think the counter argument would be um we're not restricting your speech to this uh you know you can have that speech just not while we're working so during the eight hours we're paying everybody we don't want to have these discussions whether it's you know, who should be the mayor, the president, BLM, immigration, Ukraine. We just want that off the table for the eight hours we're working. When we're off the clock, by all means, go ahead and do it. Um, so I think that would be their counter argument. Uh, sure. But it does seem... But I don't think that's any different from me saying, I don't want to be bombarded by disinformation or harassment on Twitter. Could you please moderate that? It's a company. Right. One's like a it's my choice. Platform. Yeah. And the response is it's my choice to work at Coinbase or it's yeah. my choice to be at Twitter. Right. Like both of the they're effectively the yeah. same argument. And what it starts to sound like is there's just some speech we like and some speech we don't. I think there there could be cases where that is the truth, uh, where like a free speech discussion at work might be like encouraged and a discussion about BLM or immigration might not be or Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think people could be selective. I think what they did at Coinbase was just say, just no, <laughs> nothing but financial economic freedom. Uh, and I'll take him on his word that that was the intent. Um, but you know, it, it, I, I'm trying to be as open as I can to everybody's position. Um, you know, at this point in my life, they're like, even when I look at this and I'm like, should it be a federal decision or a state's decision? It's like, okay, I, I get your argument this states have power in the united states or whatever but this has been for 50 years of federal issues so why would we do this now like right i get it like maybe 50 years ago that could have been a fine discussion Mm -hmm. but for 50 years we did it this way like a lot's changed in 50 years like you really think this is the right way to execute on this i do not think that this is the right way to execute on this so i think um, we're gonna look back on this as a real tipping point it does feel like a moment in time. I agree. I really do. I, do. I think because yeah. I think it's the it's like, you know, to your point, it felt so hypothetical and not possible. And you did have I you didn't know, think it was possible. You did have Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett assuring Susan Collins that, you know, it was settled law. And yep. And I think that what we're going to now face is the potential coming true of these predictions and who's acting in good faith and who isn't. I think that, you know, I yeah. I 
applaud and respect the the willingness and the desire to take things at face value and engage in these conversations honestly mm. but i also feel like only one side is doing that like i don't hear it's any minds getting changed on the other side you know and i'm like yeah it's at pretty some cynical. point yeah yeah pretty cynical what just happened i think like for these people who were elected to you know basically put out there that they felt it was settled and that for it potentially to flip like listen there's a lot of cards that are going to turn over between then and now and we I think the leak is also on the table. Technically, how did the leak happen? So I have a lot of questions about how does a document inside the Supreme Court leave the Supreme Court? I, I know this is a geeky IT thing, but shouldn't they be on a closed network where documents can't leave and there's cameras everywhere and everybody logs into their computer with a very specific uh, login that's tracked and every behavior is tracked. So if somebody exported this document, like, how does a document leave the building at the Supreme Court? Who is in charge of IT? I'm only, the I know. FBI, I mean, <laughs> this I'm is only so like, easy to solve. I'm like, only smiling because I of the small familiarity I have with federal IT budgets, which are basically like zero. <laughs> I mean, they're literally working on like one, like Windows 95 up in here oh, okay. in the yeah. federal government. But also like, probably they just walked out with it. Or took pictures of the documents. They operate on a lot of paper. I know. These, I, I mean, now they're going to, I think the way the Supreme Court is going to have to work is when you come in there, like the building is a skiff in, a, in and of itself. Uh, you know, these rooms where you can't bring devices in, like nobody should be allowed into the Supreme Court to bring their phones, devices, laptops, the computers in there stay in there. The documents never leave there. If you work on the documents, you're in there. The document, there's no floppy disk, there's no thumb drives, no documents are allowed to leave any of the machines there. Because um, here is the document. Now, does this document well, look like it was printed and then exported to a PDF? I don't know if any forensic has been done. I think uh, somehow. But it's yeah. obviously an inside job. Like this wasn't like no. a justice left it on a subway. You know, like sometimes that happens. Like there was a famously some NBA coach left their playbook during a Knicks series, like mm -hmm. in, a, in a cab. And then somebody found the playbook and was like, should I give this to the opposing coach? This was this scanned. So they somebody uh, this feels like somebody got a printed copy and then scanned it. I don't know the forensics on this. But um, yeah, what is interesting, though, is that there, pro there isn't that existing OPSEC in the security in the Supreme Court because there hasn't ever needed to be got it right. Like, I think hmm. this is it, this is not unprecedented. There have been leaks about the about decisions before, but to, but it is very, very, very unusual and a huge deal because there has been such traditionally like this is a tipping point in a lot of ways one mm. is the potential erosion of a lot of rights that this could be just the mm. start of but two is like you know I, I i think a lot of us have felt cynical about the direction of the supreme court you know five of the sitting justices were appointed by presidents who did not win the popular vote mm. like it's been increasingly a minority rule unelected body yeah and congress has been so dysfunctional that we've outsourced our lawmaking to this unelected body that is made up mostly of people who were placed by presidents who didn't win the popular vote so like problems but this is like the end of that institution this is like you could still believe if you had ever wanted to be a lawyer like i thought about going to law school my dad's a judge mm -hmm. you could still believe for a really long time that that the the sheer importance of the work that happened at the supreme court was itself sacred that the mm -hmm. 
being there was moderating because you really understood yeah. the law and you opened yourself to every argument. I, and I, I spent my whole life so believing in the Supreme sad. Court. It just felt yeah. like they would do the right thing. And now yes. it feels like they will not do the right thing. I think this is where, you know, the reaction to this is, you know, and, and maybe it's a good thing, you know, like maybe the fact that we now question the WHO, like who's paying their budget exactly? Okay, Ch who China's paying part of the budget? Maybe they don't want to embarrass China. Okay, like we, we need to just re-examine every group and figure out are they trustworthy or not? Uh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, is the Supreme Court trustworthy or not? Is the New York Times trust? Every institution, Harvard, just pick something that you looked at and said, I believe in this, it's Harvard. I believe in it, it's the Supreme Court. I believe in it, it's the World Health Organization. Okay, there, there are humans running organizations. Humans are imperfect. We should, you know, definitely, I'm not saying don't trust anybody. But you certainly would want to trust and verify like that this is a, a sound establishment in court. It just doesn't feel that way now. It's sad. And because you're going against the majority of Americans. Yes. And that is Which, troubling. to be fair, yeah. Brown versus the Board of Education, like the desegregation yeah. rulings, the civil rights rulings also went through, went against a majority it's of Americans. Point. Yeah. So there's that. But I think the fact that there was this leak... And the mm -hmm. fact that these judges seem to have been placed in some cases specifically for this purpose mm. does suggest that there's a lack of faith internally mm. in whoever leaked this, like they've lost the faith, right? In the sanctity and the reasonableness of this organization. And that's sort of, that's a hard thing because it felt uh, like this was like the last bastion. If you're a startup, you know you have to save where you can. I'm talking time, money, bandwidth. That's why we love Coda. Coda is the one doc to rule them all. In Coda, your text and tables can live together in the same document. All your valuable data, plans, objectives, and strategies in one place. Nothing gets lost or out of sync, and your team is literally on the same page. Coda works out of the box, and it's customizable. You can create a wiki for your team. You can onboard new hires from anywhere and adapt quickly to any major or minor change in your business. And there are templates for basically anything that you can duplicate and start using today. And check this out. My guy Presh just made a beautiful template for investor updates, which are so important for founders to do. And you can go and duplicate right now. It's at thisweekinstartups.com slash investor updates. And it's so important for you to keep your investors updated. And sometimes you don't know what to put in there. So you need a great template. So we made you one and it's free. Join the productivity revolution and sign up for Coda today. Just head to coda.io slash twist and sign up and get $1,000 in credits. So generous. That's coda.io slash twist to get $1,000 off. Such a, such a terrible decision. And I think we talked about this on the live stream yesterday, but it's such a, but not in the episode because we did a little preamble about our initial reactions to it. One of the reasons possibly to <laughs> subscribe to youtube.com slash this weekend and click the subscribe alert button is because we'll talk a little more freely on the live stream before we do a formal episode uh, sometimes the reaction to the republican party based on this is going to be so brutal to them like this is like they the dog chased the car and now the dog has got a mouthful of fender mm -hmm. and it's like oh now i'm being dragged by a car down the road and i I'm biting metal. This is not comfortable. Like, what have I done? It's like, you shouldn't have caught the car. Yeah. Not a good strategic move. Uh, like, you want, what did you win here, Republicans? I okay, mean, you, you stack the deck, you, you yeah. flip Roe v. Wade, now 50% of 
of the voting. I mean, I, I don't know what the percentage of women who vote versus men. I think it's slightly more women vote. So, I mean, this is going to be disastrous. I think it is. I mean, this is a very moderate, exactly. Like this is a moderate, this is a center to center right country. We do not elect radicals to national office very often. The house is its own clown show. And it's, and let's be clear, right? Like it's so, these states are mm. so gerrymandered. Mm. Like they have constructed such a ridiculous house. I mean, the fact that like a Marjorie Taylor Greene is in no danger of losing her seat, mm. none. Mm. Tells you everything you need to know about gerrymandering in these states. Huh. But we don't, but like if the Republican Party just continues to put forward more and more and more conspiracy theory spouting, election denying, rights taking away candidates, like it's a really go nice for strategy. it. Go yeah. for it, party. Go I mean, crazy. I, I, I mean, and I said this to all into Sachs. And, you know, we had these discussions. I was like, because uh, he does not believe it should have been overturned. He, he was very clear about that. Like, I think the people in the Republican Party who would like to win and would like to see a more purple, kind of thing happen maybe pull over some moderates to the republican party like that effort which was really working well uh i think for republicans saying like hey less tax okay don't hate billionaires like there was this whole elizabeth warren bernie sanders um moment that what they i guess they call democratic socialists or is what mm -hmm. they call themselves or i think yeah, democratic elizabeth warren does not Bernie does. Bernie does. Okay. So, but I think people put them into that bucket uh, where it's not socialism, but socialist Democrats. I think that turned off a lot of moderates, myself included. Not that I'm running into the, I, I consider myself an independent to be clear, but I think a lot of people were kind of like, oh yeah, Texas is kind of cool. <laughs> Miami's kind of cool. Oh yeah. Descent is kind of cool. Like, yeah. oh yeah, maybe this is like, uh, maybe the, the left is, now this is like the right going super crazy. So now it's like even more, we need a third party of rational actors to just go after the the purple moderate yeah. majority in this country where like just leave it alone like there's bigger things for us to work on oh my lord this is going to be a distraction for the next number of years a generation like, we're literally putting the country least. into a civil war over this mm -hmm. yeah i mean this will this will break us as a country like this is it already has right mission accomplished Seeds yeah. of division sowers, like mission accomplished Putin. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Putin, Putin's behind. I mean, he, yeah, I mean, it, it, the chaos agents are at work. I, the you know, chaos I mean, agents are at work yeah. and they have succeeded because we will not as a country, we will be an ungovernable clown show for a minimum of a generation. Like, because mm. who's coming together over this? You're just going to decamp to your little states mm -hmm. and yep. live in your silos and yep. and and never the twain shall meet. And the, the agents of division will keep going. We already have this with gun rights. I mean, if you look at gun rights and how they're executed at a state by state level, you know, in New York, you can't have a gun. And in Austin, I was at dinner and somebody pulled up their shirt and had a Glock in their waist at dinner with me. In Ohio now, you don't even have to have a license. You can open carry so, any weapon with no license. Sure. Fine. Go so crazy. This is, I think now you're going to have to, when you decide what state you live in here as an American, you're going to have to take out like a, make a pro con list. Like yeah. mom always said, pros and cons. You put some pros and cons over here. It's gonna be like, pro, uh, yeah, low taxes. Con, everybody's carrying a gun. <laughs> pro, you know, like And if your taxes. kid is gay, they probably won't be able to get married in that state in a couple yeah. more months pro, or years. Low, yeah. Pro, low housing costs. Con, your gay kid is going to potentially be beat up, ostracized, or murdered. Mm -hmm. Pro. <laughs> right. Low taxes. I mean, 
I'm super glad. Like, I am super glad to hear you say this because all the conversations about Miami and Austin, I'm like, wow, it must be really nice to be able to ignore everything about the political environment in that state. I think I have like, a, I, I have a challenge for business. I have a challenge that I am encouraging people to go to Austin. I'm going to encourage people to go to Miami and Florida because I think the influx of Democrats there is going to turn those states purple. And I think that's why Beto did so well. And like, a, 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 it's conceivable a Democrat could be the governor of Texas. Um, so I kind of like it. I like yeah. uh, Democrats going there. I understand like, it's also like you're voting with your dollar, literally to pay yeah. taxes in that state and to participate and, so, and live there. So you're voting with your time, your money, your very existence, geographically, at least, uh, you know, this is I a think big, you could, yeah, yeah. Stacey Abrams has made this argument about Georgia too. like, don't pull your businesses out of these states, don't move away from them, like stay right. and try to make change from the inside. And I think there's a lot of value to that. That is very true. It's the argument we constantly have about China. Do you engage with China like Apple, Tesla and others are doing? And that has made them dependent on us, made us dependent on them. That interdependency in the engagement argument means change will happen in that country. And Apple can say, listen, our factory workers are jumping off the building. Mm -hmm. We need to have people on the ground. We want to have a certain level of um, rights for factory workers. And Tim Cook visits those factories, took it seriously. I don't know if you remember, like, yeah, yeah, this 10 was, years yeah ago? it was a huge story. Five or 10 years ago, it was a big yeah. story of like suicides at Apple factories specifically. Mm -hmm. so to tim cook's mind hey listen we're there we're on the ground it's a different country they have different sets of rights but hey uh, people aren't killing themselves we know they have a good standard of living the middle class is growing and if you look at the poverty chart which i think i sent to our group chat i think and actually i tweeted it you know the iphone and amazon and the engagement of the west in china has reduced abject like serious poverty in the world dramatically hundreds of millions of people are no longer in the bucket of like severely poor in the world because of iphones and right. amazon basics and does I it mean that wuhan uh does it mean that um the uyghurs are still not being tortured right so you have to right. keep these two things in your head they're running well yes. a concentration camp of slave labor and three or four hundred million people have come out of poverty okay mm -hmm. On a moral basis, I'm no philosophy major here, but I, I don't know how to resolve that. I just know that for me personally, I couldn't engage with China for that mm -hmm. reason. But I can understand people have a different opinion. Yeah. And the logical conclusion of that, too, is that businesses, if businesses can make change on that level and do an overall good, then they will have to engage politically as well. And that that Disney and Apple will have to take into account their future you know, employee bases and say, yeah, we actually we we are a company that will stand up for human rights. We are a company mm. that will say abortion is healthcare, and if you need to get one in another state than where you live, we will pay yep. for that. Like there isn't any universe in which companies, especially since Citizens United gives them the same rights as people in our democracy, mm -hmm. then mm. there's no universe in which they get to sit this out and say, "Sorry, it's just work." And look at this. Look at this chart, Molly. I think just yeah. as I brought it up. Yeah, anyway, pull that back up again. Yeah, you look at extreme poverty, extreme poverty, which I, I am not sure of the definition, but it was living under a certain number of dollars a day, I think is how they said it. And you just look at South Asia, East Asia and Pacific, just absolutely plummeting uh, over the last couple of decades. And obviously, Sub-Sahara, uh, Africa, not plummeting, right? Um, but now factories are moving there. The Chinese are actually building factories. I mean, oh, yeah. thinking about China's this, like, taking over Africa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Now, yeah, less than $1.90 a day, I guess, is the new definition. It used to be under a dollar a day. Obviously, it's a moving target. But if you're listening, 
what you see is like, you know, a billion people coming out of poverty. And that's what globalization did. So yeah. there are some hard truths here um, that people uh, and, and, and some tolerance for ambiguity and some cognitive dissonance all occurring when you look at the metrics, mm -hmm. globalization and engaging dictatorships and engaging authoritarian regimes, quite paradoxically, has resulted in less suffering. Absolutely full stop. Yep. So now you have to ask yourself, if we didn't engage, what would it look like? Mm -hmm. Would there have been more change? Would there have been a civil war? I mean, these are all, we talked about alternative history the other day too. This is that. And my love of it, this is that. Like, yeah. so if I made the decision to not engage China because of the human rights stuff, maybe I keep 400, 500 million people in poverty longer. Right. Now, maybe they then have a civil war and then the whole country flips. You, you, nobody is, you have to be humble enough to realize nobody has the answer here. No. Um, but we should be studying like, it and talking about it. There's short-term and long-term thinking about this too right this, which well about the suffering and also the the effects like one of the big explain criticisms that the, explain that to the audience because you and i were talking about this privately i think it's a kind of an interesting we're talking about this topic. privately there's i mean there's there's it as a concept generally right short-term thinking versus long-term thinking long-term globalization lifts all boats 100 percent. that was always the sort of like obama doctrine and he got a lot of clinton and there and a big part of the before Trump that, populist and Clinton before that, and a big part of the Republican and American and Trump populist backlash to that is because in the short term, some boats sink. Mm -hmm. Those boats are in, you know, manufacturing areas yes. in the United States or 100%. all of the areas that have been economically devastated as a result of globalization. So our if you're factories along, went to Japan, our factories went to China, our factories they went, went to, to Mexico, Vietnam, Mexico. Totally. And they took our jobs, as they say on South Park, right? And we did right. lose factory jobs. Um, and we did lose factory jobs because there are right. short-term impacts to long-term thinking. Yep. And so it like it's like all about sort of manage. And I think the big knock on Obama is that he was such a like up here thinker about globalism, just like long-term, this is better for the world. And what is better for the world is right. better for the United States. There's long-term global security when more and more people come out of poverty because people fight over scarcity. Yep. And the perception of scarcity. Yeah. I mean, it's if if you don't know how you're going to feed your family next month, next week, today, tonight, like it's a different level. Those are all very different levels of fear, right? Mm -hmm. And Americans who feel fear of uh, Americans are not feeling uh, putting aside all the statistics that people can make up of this, like, and it was kind of a bogus one that they don't have $400 kind of situation. Some of those things have been debunked because those were surveys, um, not actual we, reality in some cases. We, we actually did that survey that came from Marketplace. It did? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, it was a survey, right? So we can explain it that. It was a like, survey. So there were yes. plenty of people who said, yes, in an emergency, I couldn't come up with 200 or $400. Right. There's real scarcity in America. Right. And then there is perceived and planted and propagandized right. and scarcity. Became, right? The I, fear that, of the other. Right. Coming to but take that, your job. But that $200, I think. They, they perceive they couldn't come up with it in some cases. In some cases, people had $1,000 on their credit card, so they could. Right. Right. Or they could have asked the family. So anyway, I, I, it, mission accomplished Beside in creating point, a really right. good discussion. But, right. Like there is uh, either real scarcity or there's perceived scarcity. And as a result, there is conflict. The idea that an American would starve in 2022 to death is quite farcical. I mean, maybe not children, because children, you can be malnourished and that kind of stuff. I but know, the idea careful, that, careful, like that's Saturday Night Live skit, careful. The, I, you could be malnourished. You, you could, could be, be malnourished and food insecure. 
food insecure. Now, food insecure is different than starving to death in yes. Africa because Fair. you literally cannot find 500 calories. True. Food insecure here might be defined as eating bad food might be defined as 1500 calories a day, not 2000. Whereas mm -hmm. in Africa it could be I didn't eat for three days, you know, I'm, su I'm sustaining myself on 500 calories, there are people in the world sustaining themselves on much less than the two and the 2000 calories. Um, so this is where like politics, and people with agendas, like, I, I just love when I actually have the metrics in front of me. <laughs> it's like, how many calories do people have to eat? And there are some countries where people have 1200 or 1400 calories a day to eat. Yeah. Uh, and that that's truly like, okay, how do we get them more calories? We should really talk about that. So let's see, as many as 6% on and declining mm -hmm. uh, of Americans have very low food security. I don't even know what that means. But well, very low see. food security, food insecurity. Um, so yeah, we'd have to find the definitions of very low, a very low food. food anyway, yes. yeah, there is legitimately hunger in America. There is also there are also plenty of people with plenty of junk food and cable and whatever who believe There's no famine in America. We're not having believe, a famine here. Right? right. But there are plenty of people who believe that some other is coming to take what they have. Sure. And that is the root of like a lot of the conflict that we're seeing today. And so the question is, mm -hmm. how do you manage both? How do you like yeah. deal with the long term without yes. sacrificing people in the short term? Mm -hmm. So that's the conversation we were having right now. It's like if your only and goal can you do both. And, and can, can you, do, you both? do both? And if you're and a good you're, politician, you got to just say stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you have to figure out how to do some version of both. You have to. Well, and I think, you know, looking to the government to solve all problems, obviously, you'll be quite disappointed. Uh, because these are people generally speaking of low moral character who only care about staying in office and are grifters in many cases. Yeah. So I have very low uh, respect for and love of politicians, generally speaking, like ever since I met some of the top politicians who are like, tell me what your positions are so I can support them. Like literally a one of the highest profile politicians in the world said that to me, but they wanted to tell understand. me your position so they can so they can support them. He literally said it that way. And I was like, what if my I just thought to myself, like, what if I my position is like, horrible? <laughs> you know? Right? Like, it was really weird. Uh, the way it was phrased to me. Uh, but well, that's uh, terrifying. You know, I mean, we don't even have time to get into like money and politics and exactly. gerrymandering and blah blah blah. Like there are a million things Here's that are happening the here. But you, the first company you did in the climate syndicate is doing one little short-term thing. Yeah, just one little device solving one little problem that could be the start of you know and could 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 change forever. One of the biggest polluting uh sources Industries on the in the world yeah exactly but it yeah. all starts with a little sensor and a little bit of software with a half dozen people you know somewhere in an office grinding it out uh and so that's one of the great things we can solve you know s solving uh a small problem that you know a lot of people are having mm -hmm. could reduce a lot of suffering it's true you know if everybody was 10 percent happier right now like if you could come up with a device that made the entire world one percent happier in aggregate, that's a lot more happiness. Yeah, it's yes, totally. I, I have a friend actually who says over and over not to derail us because we should talk about earnings, but we I have derailed a who, ourselves this episode. Well, I have a friend actually who says that one of the most dangerous principles enshrined in the creation of America is the um, part of the Declaration of Independence that says the pursuit of happiness. Mm, because it. it's if you think you have an inalienable right to the pursuit of happiness, then love anything it. that makes you unhappy 
is in your way. And it becomes this like Asimov's third law thing. You know how like the third law says the robots have to protect humans at all yes. costs. Yeah. So then the robots eventually figure out that the only way to protect humans is to off humans because they're yes. constantly killing themselves. Yeah. So like if you think you have an undeniable inalienable right to happiness, yeah. then everybody around you is basically a threat to that. And it just becomes this like destructive, like zero sum game. Uh, like if I'm happy, you're unhappy. Yeah. It's just really, it's just Luckily, really interesting. The rest of the Declaration of Independence and everything. It's a very interesting know. philosophy bomb. But yes, the rest of it is good. Well, the rest of it is also to protect you from infringing on everybody. So if my view of happiness is you don't get to have a gun or you don't get to practice your religion, sorry. We don't get to have abortions. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which a, yeah. Oh God. Exactly. Full circle here. Full right, circle. Let's go okay, to earnings. tech earnings because it was a uh, tale of two cities uh, in the Uber and Lyft race. Uh, luckily, I bet on the right horse. I was going to um, say, damn. Like well, what a 24-hour like... period it's been. Um my lord, I, it's like a roller coaster. I don't. I have never seen two companies diverge like this. Not since Google and Yahoo. Good um, one. Yeah, was, good a, was a pretty good divergence. I'm trying to think of another divergence. I guess Mac and Apple back. I was going to say uh, way back, Apple and Microsoft. Apple and Microsoft. When Apple mm -hmm. went out, it was about to go out of business and go bankrupt, and Microsoft was printing money. So let's break down what happened here. Lyft and Uber reported their quarterly earnings. Suppo we're going to do them Tuesday and Wednesday at the market close, I guess, for mm -hmm. both. And then Uber moved up their earnings. I've never seen that happen from tonight, Wednesday, to early this morning, crack of dawn before the sun came up. Explain what happened with Lyft first, because right. Lyft, everybody knows, is a fraction of the size of Uber and doesn't have the Eats business and isn't as global. So let's break right. down that. <laughs> and as a result, earnings were, let me put it gently, oof. Uh, Lyft reported Q1 results. Let's start with the like, Okay, news. Yeah, this they is great news, actually. This is yeah. great news, actually. We should all hope for 44% year-over-year growth. Lyft reported revenue of $875 million in the quarter. Almost a billion dollars made that quarter. Fantastic. Uh, that was up 44%, as I said, year-over-year. Year. However, it was paired with a net loss of $196.9 million. They're shrinking 53% year-over-year. Mm. Year. And the active riders, this is almost like shades of Netflix here. Active riders were 17.8 million missing expectations by about 200,000 riders. Not Got a it. massive miss, but still. Mm -hmm. Sales and marketing was Lyft's fastest growing cost. That was up 61% year over year, suggesting that two things. One, Lyft is very desperate to advertise to people and get new customers. And also... Drivers. A key part of that is driver retention drivers, costs. Yeah. Keeping they the drivers that, on the platform. I guess they mix that into the marketing promotion costs. I guess so. Paying for the drivers and doing advertising and spiffs. Spiffs being basically payoffs to get you to drive for them. So bonuses. Join and get 500 bucks. And, uh, and as a result, I guess their stock went down 30% or something. to uh, the, Something huge. This huge. is what happens in a network effect business, folks. Um you know, uh, and I guess we should tell the Uber side of the story. But when well, you yeah. have a network sized business, mm -hmm. what can very quickly happen is the network that wins gets into an accelerating spiral of growth and profitability. And then the one that's losing, and I'm not just saying this because I happen to have picked the right team and I'm dunking or anything. I've, I've dunked enough over the last decade. But <laughs> this is just a great business lesson. Yeah. Uber reported their Q1 results. Let's go through that. And then we'll talk about what's happening to the two businesses in terms of drivers, I suspect. Yeah. And let's talk about them moving earnings up. So yeah. what happened after this Lyft report was that their stock, I mean, 
their stock started tanking like crazy. It was such <laughs> a disaster. This was a great tweet. Connor Sen wrote, Uber's pulling out the old we're not Lehman move up the earnings announcement playbook, which I feel like we should explain a little bit. Much like Netflix's miss caused the whole streaming industry, right, to suffer massive yeah. stock losses. As soon as Lyft's stock started tanking, Uber probably was like, oh, crap. Uh, this is what I'm assuming. And I'm, I guess I'm, I think I'm right. That mm -hmm. Uber was like, we have to hurry up and report our earnings so that people don't think that this entire industry is a it's dud. Not the, it's not the sector. It's, it's not the sector. Yeah. It's just them. Wow. And we're doing fine. Uber's doing fine. <laughs> and to, um, if you, to back to network effects, which is what this really is about for founders who are listening, network effects become compounding and they become more and more vicious, you know, to the person who doesn't have the network effect and the gains just start accumulating. And we saw this with Facebook and what they did to MySpace, you know, or Microsoft at the time with sales of Windows PCs versus Macs back in the day. Uh, or the iPhone versus Nokia and Motorola would be another one where right. the network effects uh, and then the network effects of Android also um, sort of solidified that. But Uber uh, reported Q1 results of 6.85 billion uh, of revenue up 136%. That's so like more than double. Seven times Lyft's yeah. revenue? Yeah, yeah that, that's always been the case that they were a magnitude bigger. Yeah. Um, now they had a loss uh, because of declines in Grab, Aurora, and Didi stakes. Remember, Grab went public, uh, and I think um, uh, Brad Gerson, a friend of the pods, um, you know, was uh, spacked that. Aurora is there, self-driving spin-out, and Didi, which was then moved to the Hong Kong Stock Exchange when Xi Jinping decided no more uh, embracing the West stock markets, or the stock markets of the West, I should say. So that was $5.3 of their net loss. In other words, marking that stuff down has nothing to do with the core business. That's a really big order of magnitude of loss compared to lifts, but okay. <laughs> well, no, but you have to when understand Uber it, has has nothing to do with the it has nothing to do with the, the core business, which doubled. Yeah, yeah. Right. It has to do with their stakes in, and so, you know, if Zoom other, owned a piece mm -hmm. of Peloton or actually the, 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 um, the better analogy would be Amazon owning the Rivian piece. Like Amazon writing down the Rivian saying, yeah, investment exactly. is like, does that have anything the, to do with Amazon? It's nothing to do with Amazon, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just so, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's um, a lot because the ooh. DD piece was worth, I think, 10 billion and it got probably cut 30, 40, 50%. That's yeah. what I'm guessing that is, especially it's all DD. And then, when it, in terms of their fundamentals, monthly act active platform consumers were up 115 million. That's up 17% year over year, down 3% quarter over quarter. Those are total users between the Eats business and the Rides business. Yeah. And then, in terms of that all important piece, drivers, the mm. key to the whole freaking thing, yeah. quote, our driver base is at a post-pandemic high and more engaged on Uber than on other platforms. Right. So what's really happening here, um, to explain it again, is if Lyft is losing drivers to Uber Eats, uh, Uber, DoorDash, and, other, and Amazon, I think, has freelance drivers too. If they're losing people to you know, that business, they've got to spend more to get drivers on the platform, which means they're less profitable and they're running out of money. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have as many drivers, then the wait times are going up. If the wait times are going up, people are picking Uber. Yep. If they're picking Uber, the drivers who are not locked into any platform, remember, they usually have two phones ro rocking at the same time and they're switching, or they have one phone and they're switching between apps. So because they're independent contractors, uh, you know, like back to that whole, like, do people get to choose how they, they work? Can choose. Yeah. 
they get to choose. They have the freedom to choose. They can, they'll look at the rides coming in and say, well, I have to wait 20 minutes for a ride, you know, pick a, uh, pick a, a geo. If I got to wait 20 minutes for a ride for Lyft, that's 20 minutes of not getting paid. If I have to ride 10 minutes for Uber, I'm just going to, the liquidity of the marketplace, liquidity means like how fast it moves, yep. a buyer and a seller, a I seller also... of a ride, a buyer of a ride. If that liquidity is, you know, vibrant, uh, more vibrant on Uber than Lyft, mm-hmm. all the users and drivers, supply and demand move. Oh, that's like the debt spiral they're in at Lyft. I think they have to get sold now. I think Postmates has oh, to buy them. God. Somebody has to buy them. You're probably right. Well, because here's what I think is actually the the super genius move, the super genius part of this that that Uber most likely did not even see coming when they invested mm. in Eats, which was smart because food delivery makes sense, yeah. is that the if I'm a driver, mm. I would much rather, in general, but specifically during a deadly pandemic, drive food around than people. Mm. And so I bet, and I don't, th- I'm sure they don't break it out. But I bet that part of the reason that driving mm-hmm. is up on Uber overall yeah. is that even if people aren't taking cars, mm-hmm. and they're probably taking them more, they're clearly taking them more now because the pandemic is receding and whatnot. But if you can be driving food around, you're not worried about your safety as much yeah. as when you're driving people around. So there's just something very appealing, yeah. I bet, as a driver Absolutely. about a platform that just lets you drive, you know, you Chinese food it. around. Well, not only did you nail it, um, I... Uh, Saw Dara at the um, at the Warriors game the other night. We talked, and I asked him how the business is going. It's great, you know. And I said, "How's Uber Eats?" And it's, yeah, it's doing great. And you know, we got drivers on both platforms doing both, you know. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And so that's obviously a, a big focus of what they're doing. So said another way, you might come onto the platform, Molly, and only want to deliver food. You don't want somebody in your car. Yeah. Then, well, if you're in the app and it offers you an airport job and it pays seventy bucks and there's no Uber Eats jobs right now, yeah, you might take one or two. Yeah, uh, you might try it. I think that's what's happening. I think the Uber Eats people are becoming livery drivers as well, ride sharing drivers as well. So you get two right. swings at the bat because that unease might be receding. They're like, okay, I feel better about this now. I can make yeah. a lot of money. Right? Once and you're, in, it's like a gateway drug. Once you're in for food, you're probably in for people. And it's the pandemic's over. We're now in an endemic. So I think we just have to start using the word endo- endemic. endemic. So, like, let's just take the win. The pandemic's over. It's an endemic now, at least here in America. I mean, China with the zero COVID policy might be radically different, but it's an endemic here. People are not wearing masks. Uber drivers don't have to wear masks. People aren't wearing masks on flights. And, you know, putting aside people who are immunocompromised, the country is acting as if this is an endemic now. Yeah, And, the, yeah, and then that's so, the guidance everybody's been given. So let's just start using right. the word endemic. And We're people in an probably do feel safer overall but also it's just a competitive advantage to for uber to have had this option the whole time and lyft never built that out right they were all in on rides and so your suggestion that a postmates who owns boy doesn't uber own postmates who could buy lyft doordash i guess doordash could buy lyft possibly i don't know that they would need to it'd be worth it for them so that's the problem is like anybody who's an up and coming there the uh, you you might be buying into a business that is receding and then mm-hmm. it drags your strong business down so it, that's the, right. that's the challenge if you were to buy it you would have to be investing in it so it'd have to be someone like amazon who had a thesis on how to like really invest in the business because the business is trending down you might need to go in there and do layoffs shut down cities and then be prepared to invest a couple of billion dollars a year in losses to catch up to uber right so it would be like oh yeah yahoo's got value as a business do we try to catch up to google it's like mm-hmm. it's not going to happen Right. And then people did try to invest in the Nokia's and the 
you know, Motorola's and the, you know, other smart app phone makers. And it just didn't work. Blackberry yeah. comes to mind, right? Like remember Blackberry was like going to try to do a revival and oh, over and Android. over. They, they tried like over. four or five times. It didn't work, right? It's I went hard. to so many sad Blackberry events. Like now we have this square phone. Like, oh God, you guys are killing me. Killing yeah. Me. I mean, I wish I had, I wish I had a keyboard phone, man. I loved it. I loved, I loved my, my trio. I had my trio loved 350. Mm. So good. So Let's good. Talk about Airbnb, where oh, earnings are business, interesting, yeah. but there's so much more interesting afoot. We have prediction time. Yeah. Uh, so okay. So first of all, Airbnb crushed it. Reported yeah. earnings for Q1 yesterday on Tuesday beat expectations on revenue, gross booking value, and nights booked. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, revenue was one and a half billion dollars, up seventy percent year over year, eighty percent over 2019, which is not a shock. The 2019 part. So they had 1.5 and Uber had 6.8. Yeah. Just to give it the scale for the business. Yeah. Okay. Wait, Uber had, wasn't 6.8 the loss? No, no, no. Yeah. 6.8 billion right. was their yeah, top yeah. line revenue. Yeah. 6.8 so, was the top line revenue. Yeah. Airbnb. Wow. That's a, that's an interesting. Just pointing it out. <laughs> comparison. Yeah. I, have, I don't own Airbnb. Huh. I do own Uber. So. To be fair, like, hmm. well, and actually they both had pretty rough years, but again, Uber had freaking food delivery that like that little decision, which was not little was it saved the whole ship. Talk about a path dependency question. If they didn't have that fragile is the term you're looking for. That is the term I'm looking for. You're so smart. Yeah. No, I mean, it's anti-fragile in in chaotic times. Does your business do better? And it turned out if it rains and people don't want to go out. They Uber eat. Yeah. And if yeah. it's beautiful out and they want to have a couple of drinks and sit outside uh, and, and enjoy some ramen and have some sake or some beers, they, Uber they eat. take an Uber. <laughs> or they take an Uber, right? Totally. Yeah. Or if they're lazy and tired and they got a family and everybody's whining and they don't want to get in the car, they take to Uber Eats. So it's like you can't lose. You right? can't lose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, Airbnb also could not lose. Nights and experiences yeah. booked were 102.1 Amazing. million, up 59% year over year, up 26% over 2019. Gross booking value was $17.2 billion. That's up 67%. Hmm. Net loss was $19 million, basically break even. And then, yeah. a- and Brian Chesky had a really interesting thread. Well, um, before you go to that thread, I think just the quality the of the revenue oh, here yeah. and not having any competitors is now just to, to thread the stu- to two stories together network effects yeah the network effect of airbnb does have a competitor um it's called vrbo mm-hmm. i guess and then mm-hmm. there's home away <laughs> i guess and <laughs> yeah and then there's um hotels in the world and then there's hotels are starting i saw with bonvoy which is the married and the, i have a lot of points on bonvoy they have like a million points Bonvoy is now doing like their own getaways. So they are including inventory mm-hmm. when you search. I don't know if you noticed that, like you can rent a home. So you search for a hotel in Palm Springs. And I guess Bonvoy, that group of hotels now also has some inventory of their own that is Airbnb like. Interesting. But they don't have a, a, but a it's there's not no real. lift to Uber. There's no DoorDash to Uber Eats yep. analogy here. hundred they're, they're, percent. Which means I think that they can be more profitable now. As opposed to Uber, which will or DoorDash, which that that war has to settle down. And the other thing that is it, you know, again with the pandemic effect, the other thing that's so interesting about Airbnb and a lot of this thread was about rebooting the business. I mean, they took such swift, decisive action with the layoffs. And full disclosure, my ex husband was laid off from Airbnb like right after oh, wow. the pandemic started. Couldn't have worked they out better. In, I was about they to say they were incredible. They gave them six months or something like that. 
I don't know, something like that. I mean, they gave yeah. him, they gave them unbelievable severance. Brian Chesky was out there like, hey, does anyone want to hire these people? Yep. And yep. then because the the name recognition of Airbnb was so good and these people were laid off through no fault of their own, everybody, I mean, he was, he had a new job like as soon as he wanted one, basically. It was not, it was, they really, really took care of the people that they laid off. They also acted incredibly quickly, like, hmm. okay, get to it. I mean, it was just like a phenomenal leadership exercise. Looking at the layoffs, um, I found a website that just tracks layoffs, mm -hmm. layoffs.fyi. I don't know. I've never heard of this, but I just oh, yeah. did a search for it. And I was um, looking at this at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. According to this website, you know, they laid off 1900 employees, 25%, uh, which back in May 7th, 2020, just uh, two years ago, almost exactly uh, mm -hmm. to the day, they laid off 1900 employees, 25%. That's a major one in four people out there. It's huge. Yeah. Minimum was 14 weeks of base pay and 12 months of health insurance. Um, and I, uh, they let mm -hmm. them keep their Apple laptops. Uh, yeah. And remember this. And again, this was like seeing the writing on the wall. That mm -hmm. was, if you remember, like March 11th is essentially when everything shut down in the US. And by May, Airbnb was like, all hands on deck, pulled the fire alarm, laid off 25% of the staff, completely rebooted the business, and then mm. ended up, you know, in something I think no one saw coming, enabling the future of remote work. No big. Yes. And so this is brilliant. I don't know if we talked about it on a previous show, but my take on it was, you know, if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. They're telling yeah. people to do staycations uh, and to, to be, you know, nomads and to live their best life and enjoy and leverage remote work. Well, how do you do that? You put your house on Airbnb, because there's no way to swap houses. You were talking about it before in our private chat, kind of hard to swap houses. So mm -hmm. what do you do? You put your house on the market, you rent it, you get the money, and then you go find a house that you want to rent in Palm Springs for two months, and you let somebody rent yours for two months, and you hope it works out. And See, so house you you're stealing my prediction. House swap is actually my prediction because Brian Chesky, well, he teased that there was going to be some massive mm. change. His last tweet said on May 11th, we'll introduce the biggest change to Airbnb in a decade. Ooh. Ooh. The only hint that he gave in the, so then he was like, check our letter to investors for like a hint. And the hint said that there would be a completely new way to search, ah. which caused us to wonder, well, okay, are you going to be able to search for office space? Are you going to be able to lease? Mm. Maybe they become like a landlord. And then I was like, do they have mm. house swap? Because that would be amazing. I house would, swap would love be cool. house they, swap. There used to be house swaps on Craigslist was a category. So Airbnb was kind of born out of the couch surfing movement on Craigslist where people would and house swap on Craigslist. And I've seen it with groups of friends of mine where they're like, hey, I'm going to be gone for the month of August. Does anybody want my house for August? And people kind of do that. And then uh, I rented a, um, uh, I rented this like really beautiful house in Spain uh, on the top of a hill. And the guy I was talking to the guy and he's like, you know, I want to come to America, would you give me your house for a month and I'll take your house for a month. And I was like, that's actually not bad. Uh, not a bad idea. Yeah. I guess there's home exchange, which is a community. Um, there, oh, yeah, know. there's sort has of anybody lots of used this. home exchange dot uh, com. Let us know. I'm curious if that works. Also, uh, shout out um, to Peter Notabom in the chat who said we B and B, which really made me uh, laugh a lot. We B and B. We B and B. We B B and B. We B B and B. We B B B B and B and B. Yes, yes, Rivka. Oh my God! 
Biggest uh, change Adam in a Newman decade. Should buy Home Exchange and make oh, it no. We Exchange, We Home, We 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 and B. We We. Oh, and that's B. not right. I oh, wish I hadn't said so that out loud. Rachel, that's you the tricked me. Crossover nobody asked for. You tricked me. That's the crossover never. And uh, breaking news: while we're here, uh, Chairman Powell uh, has, uh, as predicted, uh, raised the mm. Fed's uh, rate by fifty basis points, half mm-hmm. a percentage point. Is what basis points mean? One basis point. I'm sorry, a uh, hundred basis points equals one percent. So yeah. when they say fifty basis points, what they're saying is half of a percent. Uh, so one two hundredth in this case is, uh, of a dollar. Yep, the biggest hike point. in two decades. Yeah. So they're really, um, and they, this was expected. It was. And so I don't know what the market reaction here is, uh, but uh, let me head know, over that, to that. That means Nasdaq is probably going to be down a little bit or it kind of expected it so maybe i can't believe they wouldn't have priced this in everybody knew it was going to happen the I, only th- you would think it would be priced in yeah he it really might actually be trading ahead it. uh you know it might trade ahead because um people like okay that's confirmed and we got that out of the way so qqq right. um which is a an index of uh, uh an index fund for the basically tech stocks is 0.64 basis points. So you can look yeah. at QQQ as an indicator or the overall NASDAQ. So uh, Dow futures see. are up. Dow futures mm-hmm. are up. There S&P futures are up. NASDAQ futures are up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it basically, they knew I guess, this was coming and they're just relieved it wasn't 75. Like they just were like, okay, okay. You did what you said you were going to do. We're cool. Well, I mean, there is an argument like bouncing along the bottom of the stock market. You know, it stocks off in some case, tech stocks off 40, 50, 60, 70%. There will be a buying opportunity at some point. Uh, and so at some point, you know, it's these stocks will look really good. You know, looking at a stock like Uber, if I had a if I didn't already have such a big position, I'm not giving financial advice here. When you see a company growing like this and starting to hit basically break even profitability, Airbnb falling into that bucket again. This is kind of like I think their Amazon moment where people will start to perceive these companies differently. People are like, Amazon can never make money, Amazon's printing money. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, mm-hmm. Facebook will never figure out mobile advertising or mobile. And the stock was like down at $15. Remember that it like was trading below the IPR price. And then all of a sudden, boom, and ricocheted back. And they were like, yeah. Oh, they figured it out. And it's like, Oh, really smart people with a business with majority of the market share figured out how to make the rides a little bit more expensive or figured out how to make them, you know, like <laughs> they really didn't think Zuck would figure out how to make a mobile app. I mean, come on. Of course, he's going to figure it out at some point. It's true. It it's took true. a year. <laughs> Anyway, I mean, yeah, it was close, but well, I mean, he he basically outsourced it, and they were making React. They weren't making native apps, so yeah. I mean, a React app is fine if you're like J Crew or something. But if you're if your whole business and the whole experience is in the app, you probably need to get that right with a native app. So I but did it was we cover unknown. everything today. I believe that we did, and we are well over an hour. Thanks for hanging with us in our yes. politics talk, noties. And I think audience. it's important. It's not going to be every day. It's not going to be every day, but it's super, super important. And I, yes. for one, I'm grateful that we can have an honest conversation about it. Yeah. And I, listen, if uh, and p- reasonable people will disagree. And the part of the idea here is to have a great conversation and learn from each other and be more informed. That's right. And so. And unreasonable you know, people will have their own states to live in. <laughs> and unreasonable people will be <laughs> screaming and blocking each other on Twitter. And then here we are. Just trying to have a reasonable Here we are, just trying to, just trying, trying to understand, understand the world. Understand the world a little Jinx. bit more. Jinx, buy me a Coke. <laughs> like, 
Uh, buy me a, buy me one of the new Cokes that Elon's working on. I want to have one of those new Coca-Cola so we can really take on the show with there's enthusiasm. A, not that all of my references are about Saturday Night Live, but there's a very funny Kelly Ripa one where she's like a little bit of crack cocaine, like talks about what's in her shampoo. Oh, oh really? That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, it's just a little bit of like, keep it going. Uh, just, you know, I, 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 I believe the world is trending towards justice and positivity, but there'll be bumps in the road and setbacks. So this too shall pass. Progress and you, and I would a just like line. to say you dumb mofos. Hell you had it all. No fury. You had it all. You could have been no fury. Like you could have kept winning and winning and winning. And all you had to do was be the party of small business and low taxes winning. You could have won for I mean, who's, who's against that? Yeah. Help yep. business and keep taxes low, balance the budget. But no, no, you had to go in a time machine and literally tell a bunch of women <laughs> who are now in positions of power. And you can't push them around like you used to be able to in the 50s. And men. Like, we keep saying women, but like, oh, yeah, and I mean, I'm men. I'm pissed off. I Did have you see the Howard daughters? Stern thing today? Howard Stern was like, if men got pregnant, there would be an abortion clinic on every corner. Could be like Starbucks. Be like yeah. freaking Starbucks. Absolutely. Don't even. Vente. Yeah, come on in. We'll give you, we'll make you a mocha and by all means, come into, uh, you know, we'll have a consultation in the back room here and figure out what you need and we'll get you whatever you need. Yeah, it would be it would be seamless. Uh, this is such utter bullshit, uh, and it has to stop. And uh, that's my personal position on turning this point. point. I believe this is a turning point. Yeah, it is a sad, sad turn of events. But uh, women are not going to take this standing down, and neither are the men who support them, uh, myself included. So I don't know what the action item is going to be for us, Molly. Uh, you know, and uh, this pod is you know uh, not here to like take positions, but me personally, like. Tell me what I'm supposed to do here to help, like yeah. voting, donations, whatever needs to happen here. I'm all in. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, somebody tell me where to write a check. Like, am I, am I writing a check to Planned Parenthood? Is there You got to go more local. I got a list for you. I mean, we got to do something yeah. here. Like, it, there are this local is just organizers who are. Organizing to politically fight this or just to help women organizing you know? to help women also to politically fight this. Do. There are a couple like really interesting again, not to derail us, but there are a couple really interesting laws that have been proposed in some of these states that are like, oh, okay, well, if you're going to outlaw abortion, then there has to be a corresponding statute that provides for the care of this child for the child's entire life. So pay for the child. Yes. Pay for the child. Take care okay. of the kid. Okay. You tell me if you really care. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, everybody. Uh, great okay. show. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.